Welcome, dead and lovely listeners, to Dead and Lovely, your absolute favorite horror movie and just general pop culture bullshitting podcast. 100%. That's what I hear from everybody. <laughs> yeah. In all of the land, here with your hosts with the most. Mm-hmm. It's me, Uncle Ben, and who's that handsome fella on the other end of this Skype call? It's a me, Hollywood Steven Spratling. It's a you? It's a me over here making the pizza. Oh, man, you over there in that pillow fort baking the pizza. Yep, baking it up. Dutch oven style. I imagine that's probably pretty hazardous. Those pillows and stuff are pretty flammable, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I, um, I used to sleep on a non-flammable pillow, but it, it caused me to grow huge tumors on my head, so... <laughs> You don't want that. No, that's not good stuff. Is that based on a true story? It is not, no. No, (laughs) it's based on a Squidbillies episode. uh, (laughs) Anyway, so what have you been doing, Ben? Dude, lately here, I was just in your neck of the woods, even though I didn't see sight nor sound of you. I feel really, really bad about that, Steve. It's no big deal. I believe... uh, Nam is in uh, Anaheim, mm-hmm. right? It is. It's in the Anaheim area. I'll tell you this right now. I've never driven to Anaheim because <laughs> uh, fuck that noise. Like, it's so far. Dude, it's so cool, I understand. though. Like, I like it over there, man. It's kind of like I was mm-hmm. telling somebody earlier. I was like, you know, if, if L.A. is Nashville, then Anaheim is Knoxville. You know, where it's just like Ooh. a little lower key, a little cheaper, less traffic. It's that kind of thing. Mm. Hmm. I'd say it's probably more like if uh, Los Feliz is Nashville, then Koreatown's Knoxville. Is that the yeah. deal? That's the deal, man. I hope people out in L.A. are just like, <laughs> fuck yeah, right they now. They just like, went crazy. They know. And a lot of people were like, no way, fuck you, man. Los Feliz sucks. <laughs> Did they just like uh, expect you to be dropping your mic or something? No, you know, I, I did. I dropped the mic. Um, it's outside. If anybody's walking by, pick it up for me. <laughs> Go get it. Yeah, I had myself a good time out there, man. It was uh, 10 times more hectic and productive and uh, yeah. wonderful than I was anticipating. Like, I knew we'd have a pretty full schedule, man, but it was the kind of thing where it was it was seriously just like nonstop hustle and bustle. And mm-hmm. I got to say, man, it, it's so cool to see because I haven't been out to NAM, um, which for those of you guys listening, NAM is the big annual trade show that happens out in Anaheim every every January where all of our guitar companies and drum companies and yada yada roll out their new products for the year and it's kind of a thing for musicians and dealers and yada yada um, it's a really really cool thing but man I haven't been out to NAM in two years because last year I was mm-hmm. doing a cruise gig and um, I was there the year before that man I'll tell you and I'm not, I'm not even meaning to say this in any kind of any kind of boastful way or anything like that but when i was there two years ago you know i would probably get stopped about you know four times a day of people being like oh man dude uncle ben like i love your youtube channel whatever Uh uh-huh but apparently in the two years since it has i guess the channel and stuff has just grown considerably because it was the kind of thing where it's like i could barely walk 15 feet without running into a, a loving fan of my channel or our podcast which is just so cool man I, I can't believe how much stuff has grown and how well things have gone so hugely appreciative to everybody who's been supporting my channel and and all of my other efforts it's pretty amazing to see how much it's grown hell yeah man 
that's awesome. Um, I saw a lot of your uh, picks from Nam. Yeah. And uh, saw some pics of you with some of our fans, which was uh, pretty weird. Yes, indeed, <laughs> man. Yes, indeed. Was, Good times. Holy shit, these people are real? They're real people. Mm-hmm. It's not just like our moms using like fake screen names being like, I love when you talk about the, the scary ones, especially. Oh, wait. So you, you're saying that a lot of our fans actually do think I'm a special little guy. Yeah. Oh, man. That's Thanks, deep. guys. He's a special little guy in his new haircut. <laughs> so handsome. <laughs> I did just get a haircut. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> well, I didn't get a haircut. I gave myself a haircut. Oh, tight. Um, Was the Floby? Because... <laughs> No, um, I I have this thing where my head is is, I guess not regulation shaped. Like when mm. I go to anybody to cut my hair, they always cut my hair so that when it grows back, um, I, I have these like ridges and then what seem to me to be budding devil horns. Ooh. Uh, People will will shave right over that, and then when it grows back, it just sticks straight out. So I, I've never really found anybody can cut my hair that well, and so I've just learned to do it myself. Have you ever like shaved your head to inspect for any like particular you know six 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 birthmarks or anything like that? <laughs> uh, what would that? What would be that? I don't understand. Why would I do? Why? I mean, there's nothing there. I'm there's just nothing curious. There. I mean, there's nothing there. Maybe you have. Maybe you haven't. I don't know. I don't know. Listen, there's nothing there, so it's just not worth. Even checking, because <laughs> it's all for you, you know? Stevian. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you what, man. In addition to all of the the cool, great people that we saw out there, uh, you know, I, I got to play a concert playing bass for one of my favorite guitar players of all time, mm-hmm. Andy Timmons. Yeah, which for me was was seriously just a, a, a dream come true. Um, uh huh. We played a, a sold out show out there at a slide bar in Fullerton. Oh yeah. And the the whole show is incredible, man. But just to you know, find myself in that moment where I just suddenly realize where I am. It's like, hey, I'm standing here on stage with with Andy Timmons. Like, like for example, like the other night I saw my buddy, old flat Earth Mitch Trueblood. <laughs> Fuck you, Mitch. And <laughs> fucking Mitch. You know, space yeah. is real, Mitch. <laughs> but you know, we were talking. Uh, Mitch and I played music together for years and stuff, and and he was talking to me about it, and he was like, man, I watched your video you put up of you playing with Timmons, and he said it just got so surreal and so weird to me because he said whenever whenever he bought his very first guitar it was like an Ibanez uh-huh. you know like starter pack with a little mm-hmm. guitar and an amp and all this kind of stuff and Andy yeah. Andy Timmons is an Ibanez artist he's got like a signature model and stuff mm-hmm. and he said along with his first guitar his little starter pack there it came with like a VHS of Andy Timmons you know like teaching you your first chords and shit like that yeah, and so Mitch was like, "It's just the weirdest thing in the world for me to be yeah. like, hey, this guy I used to be in band with is like on stage with, you know, the guy who was on this VHS of the first guitar that I got and shit. It's really, really, really cool to see, man." Yeah, that is, uh, yeah, that's surreal. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Also, Timmons is solid gold. That guy is one of the most awesome hangs I've ever chilled with. Oh man, great guy, super amazingly kind and appreciative uh incredible tone incredible player i can't say enough good stuff about the guy it was seriously man like that that night of the show that we played uh was just one of my favorite nights i've ever had you know period really that's awesome it was really really just a beautiful night man so thanks to everybody who made that possible it was a really 
fantastic time. And Andy Wood's set that I played on went fantastically well, too. So, yeah, cool, it was man. it was just great, man. And I'll tell you one thing, too. While I was out there, uh-huh. I got I got to experience a little bit of that that hip, crazy, Los Angeles, West Coast, hippie cuisine. Oh, yeah? What'd you have? I had myself a bowl of what they call pokey. Uh-huh, yeah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. they don't have none of that around here. Uh, it's, of course, a no, it's You a can't get thing. no pokey. They, yeah, they ain't got no pokey around here. They got laws against doing the pokey around here. Uh-huh. But, man, it was great. Yeah, it is, it's good stuff. Um, where did you get it from? It was from, uh, it was called Bay Pokey. It was just, like, right around the corner from where we were staying. Oh, cool. And it was yeah, fucking and- awesome, man. It was, like, 10 bucks, and I got myself a huge bowl of, like... It was like brown rice, and I had like spicy tuna and uh-huh. shrimp, and I think I had like salmon or something in there. Oh, yeah. As well as like avocado and cucumbers and green onions and like a uh-huh. sweet chili sauce and stuff. Fuck, it was so good, man. It was also yep. like... This is the, making me hungry. Yeah, yeah, dude, me too. And it was like the perfect pre-show kind of food because it was kind of light, but then you got some, you know, some carbs and stuff in there to keep you going. Uh, uh-huh. Also, carbs to soak up booze. It was just a great, <laughs> <laughs> great pregame kind of meal. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Um, yeah, there's a lot of great food out here. My wife and I actually went to. My wife um, had a birthday recently, mm-hmm. and uh, she wanted to go to an Italian place. Uh, we haven't gone to an Italian place in LA the entire time we've lived here oh. because uh, so many great. Like taco places and and uh, like Korean, Korean barbecue yeah. that are like so much to choose from. Anyway, she decided she wanted to go to an Italian place, so I looked for one, and I found one uh, like three blocks from our house, mm-hmm. where they make the pasta like right in front of you, basically like the shit. Um, there, it's like a maybe like six table restaurant, really small place. Yeah. And uh, they, you can see right into the kitchen. They're making the pasta back there. Everything's mm. fresh. So delicious. So good. It's called uh, Alangolo. Oh. Which means the corner oh in English. My. So. What did you have? Oh, God. I don't know what it was. Uh, <laughs> how to pronounce it. It was, uh, it was like this. Uh, it was. I would say it was sort of a small... Uh, pill-shaped noodle with a, a slight twist in the middle. Okay. Uh, but it was thick. They were. It was sort of thick, and it had this great texture to it. And then it, it had like a white wine, cream sauce, and uh, some some parsley and mm, some other things. Mm. It was really really good. Jesus, my wife take got, the wheel. Yeah, my wife got this. Uh, um, it, it had uh, spinach, like a creamy spinach stuff with rosemary and. Uh, chicken, really good, Damn, delicious man. place, and it was cheap. Like for the two of us, like we didn't we didn't get wine or anything, because um, we were coming back here to celebrate her birthday. So uh, yeah, uh, for the two of us, it was twenty four bucks before tip. So well, damn, that's pretty, pretty good. Great. You can barely eat at that at at the Olive Garden. Yeah, that's what I, that's uh, like. I was I was amazed. Like you, you go into the small little place and and they're making all the pasta right there in front of you. They also do pizzas. We're thinking of going back there. So. Mm. It just recently struck me how hilarious it is that the abbreviation of the Olive Garden is the OG. <laughs> I want to make like, truly, all kinds of like, really thug posts about, like, I'm heading down to the OG. 
And it's like, oh, it was Olive Garden. Then it really adds like a different dimension to when you're here, your family. It becomes like the Fast and the Furious type of family. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. I also a bunch of criminals it. who became <laughs> government agents and then became superheroes. Like, you know. It really adds to my favorite raps and stuff, too, whenever I hear them talking about OG stuff. And I'm like, oh, Olive Garden. Cool. Uh-huh. I smoked that Olive Garden Kush tight. <laughs> that Olive Garden good. Dude, have I ever told you that uh, Olive Garden smells like dog food to me? Oh, yeah, yeah. You talked about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's so, so gross. I can't imagine that uh, marijuana. Probably disgusting. <laughs> well, after I got home from the Los Angeles, man, I, I really hit the ground running, and it was just immediately... You know, teaching, teaching, making videos. Um, mm -hmm. Giving some, them kids hell. Giving them kids fucking hell. I had some rehearsal stuff I had to go to. And mm -hmm. then, man, like this weekend, we just had ourselves the best weekend. You mind if I tell you about it? Tell me all about all it. All right. So Friday, uh, Kate and I were both working. And she had a shitty day at work and stuff like this. But after she got home from work, we went to uh, Knoxville. Yeah, yeah. To go to Crafty Bastard Brewery, which is uh -huh. one of the better Knoxville uh, breweries. Really, really, really awesome place and just good environment, yep. good hang over there. And we went over there because our friend Jenny was doing like an exhibition of her art. She does, um, I don't know how you would call it. It's like stuff with yarn. It's kind of like weaving Mm -hmm. It's really interesting stuff that she does. It's really cool. So she, she does textiles. Yeah, there you go. That's the yeah. way to sound educated about it. I have an art yep. degree, but I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I also have an art degree, and I know a little bit. <laughs> I've got liquor in my belly, too, so I'll use that as it. Oh, yeah. I'm working on this uh, delicious Lagunitas <sighs> 12th of the mm. Never Ale. It's pretty good. Mm, that sounds great. So we went there and mm -hmm. hung out with our friends and stuff. And then... Um, Saturday, man, we got up and we went to a a sitar Indian buffet. We talked about sitar, I think maybe last episode. Yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, it was last episode because uh, yeah, we were talking about talking about buffets, uh, curry and buffets. <laughs> yeah, and we did. Yeah, sitar, awesome, mango pudding, Dude, delicious. We're just like really repping all of our favorite places on the east and west yeah, 100%, coast. Yeah, one hundred percent. We need sponsors. I, I think uh, it would be impossible. Like you know. Uh, uh, at some point, we will probably have advertisements. I apologize if that bothers anyone, but um, uh, I would never advertise a restaurant because I want to have the freedom to tell people to go to restaurants I love. Yeah, like, I know, cause, right? Because like it's it's food is so important, right? Like Me too. It, they're. There, there are just a few things you need in life. You need air, obviously. Uh, that hopefully will never uh, be something that we have to buy. But you know, whatever. well, you know, if we leave it up to the likes of Cohagen, then uh, yeah, you know, you need you need water. <laughs> Cohagen, you've got what you want. There could be people here. <laughs> Fucking Cohagen. Um, you need water, which you know should taste good. Yeah. Whatever. But then you got food. Air and water is just like, yeah, it's air, it's, it's water. Yeah, like, there's yeah. nothing fancy about it. But food, it's fucking art. Like, I love food. It's, yes, I love cooking, love eating. It's the best. I have it every day. So we went to a sitar, we, we curried our asses off, and then we went and watched The Shape of Water. Oh, shit. Awesome. How was it? It's fucking awesome. Have you seen it? Yeah. Um, no, but I really, I really want to, and I'm excited. I, I'm glad uh, to get to say this, that this year is one of the rare years, I don't know if it's ever happened before, where a monster movie and a horror movie yeah. 
are nominated for major awards. I know, I know, it's unheard of. And and whenever you go and watch it, you'll you'll totally understand why, man. It is a uh, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm very interested in it. It's absolutely beautiful, man. It's super touching. The soundtrack is pure fucking magic. Uh, awesome. And you know, it, it's awesome too. You know, because it has a guy in a rubber suit in it. You know, it does. It's not just yeah. a CGI monster. It, it's lightly touched yeah, up with I know. CG, like his. His eyelids and stuff like this are, are touched up with CG, but it's basically mm-hmm. a guy in a rubber suit, and it is such a fucking beautiful, awesome movie, man. I, I loved it. Fuck yes. I loved it so much. I really, really, really did enjoy it. I think hopefully it also will be a... <laughs> either either Universal will rethink their dark universe mm-hmm. or re reimagine it mm. now that they've seen that, like... It can be done the way that those old monster movies were made, and it can be done well. Oh, yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be Tom Cruise uh, oh, becoming a mummy or whatever. I whatever don't know what happened, happened in that, in that movie. That, I didn't <laughs> yeah. watch that shit. But yeah. it's cool, too, to see them you know, pick up a, such a rarely touched license as Creature from the Black Lagoon. I mean, it never said, mm-hmm. of course... Creature from the Black You're Lagoon, right. but come on, uh-huh. it was. Because that, that is owned by Universal, yeah. Right, exactly, but it's obvious that's what they were reaching into and stuff. Because uh-huh. uh, that's not really a franchise that gets, you know, well, let's try and redo this every 10 years or so, yeah. something like that. So, It, it is popular among uh, horror podcasts, True. though, I've noticed. Yeah, apparently, yeah. <laughs> apparently. I really did dig it, man. Definitely, definitely worth seeing. Michael Shannon is in it, and... I think that guy's fucking incredible. I've not yeah, really seen I that guy. I fucking love Michael Shannon. Right, yeah. dude? Well, it's yeah. like, I've never seen him in anything and been like, man, he really didn't do a good job in this movie. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, I actually watched a movie around Christmas called Pottersville or something. I haven't seen that. With Michael Shannon. And uh, it's it's a cute Christmas movie, but it's it's about Bigfoot. It's oh, pretty cool. sick. Yeah, I enjoyed that. And uh, he's also in, an, I mean, he's in Boardwalk Empire and he's, amazing in that fucking show like you have to see michael shannon in boardwalk empire he's the way he he is the character like he becomes this in like impossible to uh comprehend sort of character who goes from lawman to outlaw to family man like damn it's it's real weird and then out like major outlaw like um and, and he's just a side character. That, that show's full of amazing characters. Did you ever see The Iceman, where you played the Iceman killer? Yes. Yeah, Richard Kulikinski. Yeah. He did a real good job in that. Yeah. The movie was, like, kind of boring, but he was he was fucking incredible. Yeah. He, he's one of those people that has... He has a face that I can only describe as being severe. He has a severe face. <laughs> he does. He looks like like if you see pictures of uh, farmers in the Great Depression. <laughs> Mike, Michael Shannon. <laughs> That's exactly what he looks like. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that that day was that day was awesome, man. And and we we saw the movie, and then we went to Sunrise Supermarket in Knoxville, which is like a big Asian grocery store, and we got stuff to make. We got stuff yeah. to make pho. Awesome. And basi- yeah. basically today, which is a, a Sunday as we record this here, mm-hmm. we, we spent today, we got up and we made 
blueberry pancakes and, and eggs and uh-huh. sausage and mimosas. Fuck yes. And we watched Broad City while we ate, which is the best show. Hell yes. That's an amazing brunch. It is, What dude? is happening? It's the best. And then we spent the rest of the day like <laughs> making pho. And then while the pho yeah. was like, you know, simmering and stuff, I was making YouTube videos and shit like this. And then uh-huh. we, uh, we ate pho, which was the best. Like, dude... The the, uh-huh. the state of the state of sheer joy I enter when I enjoy a bowl of pho is near transcendental. Yeah, yeah, pho and and ramen seriously will change. Yeah, they will change my outlook on life. I know, I know, I- really. <laughs> And I meet people all the time that are like, I don't know what pho is. What is it? And it's like, you try to explain to me. like, well, It's noodle soup. Yeah, I know. You say that, <laughs> and and you can see their face just like the lights go out, and they're like, oh. Yeah. And it's like, no, yeah. no, no. It's, it's so much beyond that you can't even it's fucking so, understand. The soup is just so rich and complex like oh, i love it so much th- yeah i i love i love making those myself like mm-hmm. at home as, as you guys were doing i i really love because like you get to understand how like the ingredient that you're putting in and letting simmer etc like h- how it like changes this basic uh, stock yeah. into this amazing liquid that will just seriously uh, brighten your day i know (laughs) right so insane it's amazing really because when you start when you start making pho dude it's like you're dealing with nothing but you know fucking uh, a huge pot of tap water and bones Uh like bones worthless bones like trash like the Mm. stuff where it's like oh we ate all the meat off of it there's just these bones left over bones are never worthless (laughs) i know right (laughs) it's so awesome yeah like I um sometimes like uh, I I like to make all my own food, but it, sometimes the nearby grocery store has a five dollar whole rotisserie chicken. Oh yeah, I'm a fan uh, of rotisserie. That yeah. for me and my wife turns into like four uh, meals, four or five meals. Yeah, yeah because like uh, yeah, I turn I I use every bit of it. Turn uh, the bones into stock, etc. Like yeah. You can make tacos out of that. You can make curry. You can mm-hmm. use it for uh, ramen or pho. Like toss it into a pasta. Whatever you're doing. Hell yeah. Yeah that that rotisserie chick man. It's it's a good find. Like I wish I wish that like Food City down here had them that were, you know, of course fucking organic and free range and shit like that. Um, yeah. I imagine some of those chicks don't walk around too much. They're uh, <laughs> yeah. I don't like that. I, I don't like that. Strangely plump. Yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of of that. I'm not. Like I, I don't eat pork. I used to eat pork, uh, and, and pork is good. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not one of those people who screams at people they shouldn't eat pork. But, but pigs are smarter than dogs, and I wouldn't eat my dogs. Mm. I, I don't eat pork anymore. Uh, I found out cows have best friends, and they miss them. Uh, so, I've really been trying to avoid beef, and and I hate the state of the poultry industry. I hate that idea. I always sure. buy free range. I know that it's still like yeah, but they're being killed to be eaten. Yeah, yeah but like I, I I'm hungry. Yeah, and I, know, I need food right? to live. So I know I could eat all vegetables. I don't have that money. If I had the money to do that, I'd probably do it. But God, chicken is good. I know. I'm, I'm a <laughs> and fan. Fish is amazing. I love fish. I'm with you, dude. It's like I, I, I'm completely an omnivore. Where it's like I, I love, I love eating the shit out of some fresh veggies and stuff. I love meat. I love it all. Um, uh huh. Yeah. But I do despise the state that that animals and stuff are treated in on, yeah. a, on an ethical level. It's really, really, really sad yeah. to see. And I don't know, man. It's one of those things where I feel like if we just all cut out, like. 
let's say maybe one or two meat-based meals a week. Yeah, across the country, big start. Yeah, that's a huge start. Exactly. I, I, um, I tried to just have one meat meal a day. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I understand like. It, it is cheaper to buy meat than it is to buy uh, all the things you need to make a vegetarian dish taste delicious. Oh, Dude, that's the fucked up thing to me is like whenever I go to the store and I see that a head of broccoli, right? Which was, uh-huh. which was you know, the ingredients to make broccoli are dirt and water. Like, yep, <laughs> that's all you need. The two greatest resources <laughs> on earth. Uh-huh. And, and then somehow that's the same price as like a Wendy's double bacon cheeseburger. Like, yep. And it's like you look at... You, you look at the ingredients list and you look at how much travel and how much gas was used to transport those ingredients from place to place to place to place. I mean, think about yeah. how hard it would be to make a junior bacon cheeseburger from scratch, dude. That's an, it's impossible. <laughs> dude, making broccoli it's, from yeah, scratch. That's a lot very of easy. fucking work. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a good thing to have a garden if you can. No doubt. You guys, you guys have some room, right? We do, man, but we don't have the time. Is the problem? Yeah, that fucking sucks. Yeah. It does take a good bit of time. Yeah, that's yeah. that's one of those things. I grew up with a garden stuff. We used to, uh-huh. to do a big garden and stuff at home and everything. And it was just yeah beautiful, man. But the the dumb thing is, is back when I was a kid, I was like a super fucking picky eater. So, so you didn't eat any of it? I barely ate any of it, dude. I was a yeah. fucking idiot. Like, I remember the corn yeah. and stuff was fantastic, but I still loved going out there and, like, you know, uh, watering and weeding and picking and all that kind of stuff. I still love doing that. The smells are great. Oh, yeah. I, I, I have a strong, like, um, anytime I get green beans, I'm reminded oh, totally. of, of yep. uh, like, sitting on the porch with my, my shelling uh, beans, grandmother. Dude. Just shelling beans, yep. yeah. Dude, that's one of those uh, things. If you grew up in Tennessee and you didn't do that, you, you grew up in West Tennessee. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, isn't that weird? Like, people, people, um, automatically assume all of tennessee is just tennessee because sure. tennessee is a, a, not a huge state it's bigger than you know most northeast states but it's still not huge yeah. east tennessee is so different from central and west oh, tennessee. Th- it might like, as well be three different states it really yeah really, really it should. really yeah and the food even is I different mean, you know yeah it's so different the the accents are different the accents are closer to north georgia or southeastern or southwestern virginia kentucky yeah it's a a little bit uh different accent and also big deal uh is that east tennessee did not want to join the confederacy and actively worked against the confederacy in the civil war yeah um i mean there are uh so many goddamn morons in east tennessee Fuck. with uh, confederate flags and shit and they're all like it's my heritage well you must be from somewhere fucking else yeah because here <laughs> it's not heritage uh i say here i'm in koreatown <laughs> not in koreatown in sir it's not fucking heritage you piece of shit no fuck no there's not really a day that goes by that i don't see that shit somewhere so fucking stupid yeah. dude and i'll tell you one more thing while we were sitting there enjoying the labors of this incredible delightful homemade pho which as a ps the great thing is about making pho at home like uh-huh. we bought like a 16 quart stock pot yeah and so awesome. so basically you just make a fuck ton of broth and then you freeze uh-huh. it you know, freeze you, it yeah, yeah exactly and then anytime yeah. you want pho you just cook up some rice noodles and go get some Fucking steak pop and stuff. it in this yeah yeah exactly <laughs> dude it's so it's, it's, it's so perfect, easy yeah. so we'll have like pho for months but while we were sitting there enjoying the food we watched 
one of one of my favorite movies, which is like probably a pretty bad movie that a lot of people don't like, but I have so many fond memories of it. Uh nineteen ninety four, I think, the fucking shadow with Alec Baldwin. <laughs> oh yeah. That was the first movie that Kate and I watched together. Like uh like not seriously? in the theater. Yeah, seriously, it was the first movie that we watched. And I've always liked that movie, man. It's so it's so close to being terrible and cheesy and stuff, but then it's so cool at the that. same time. I love it, man. I've actually never seen it. No way, uh, dude. Oh, we yeah. have to fucking wildcard that yeah, shit. Yeah, I'm, I'm not I'm not gonna watch it. I'm gonna watch it with you. Yes, we gotta wildcard <laughs> it. It's again, it's so close to being bad, and it's also so close to being a Batman movie. You'll understand. Is when it? You, yeah, you'll understand when you see it. It's actually Well, Alec, Alec Baldwin's got a good voice. Yeah, for it, that, it's so, so yeah. close to being Batman Begins in a lot of ways. Seriously. I, I, you know what? Alec Baldwin could play Bruce Wayne in a Batman Beyond movie. Oh, that'd be okay. Have you seen that. Batman Beyond? Yeah. The the cartoon? Yeah. You know, Bruce Wayne's this old crippled man right. in a wheelchair, you know? Yeah. So, uh, like, he, he has that look and he has that great voice. Like, he could easily play it. That would be awesome. Steve, I've been hogging this mic talking all about me. I've had myself a really busy, crazy, and, and supremely enjoyable oh, and fantastic yeah. week. How have you been, me, man? Me. Uh, me too. I was actually um, a little glad you didn't text me to say like, "Hey, let's do something," because we were extremely busy too. No doubt. Um, yeah, my wife had her birthday um, while you were here. Um, we also went to um, this thing on Broadway in downtown LA, which um, is called a night on Broadway, and they basically just shut down Broadway for a. I don't know, it was probably like 10 blocks, I mm-hmm. would say. And they have food trucks and they have um, entertainment and they have uh, all these like uh, theaters that are having different shows and stuff mm-hmm. that you can pop in um, and go see. It, it was a fun time. We, we were down there <laughs> um, downtown uh, the day before that, though, because my cousin, who uh, I'm close with and who lives here in... Uh, in Los Angeles, had just got engaged. Oh. So he and his fiance lived downtown, and uh, we went to their engagement party, which was a fun time. Lovely. Mewage. Mewage. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we, uh, <laughs> I also just today, Ben, watched the Super Bowl. Oh, there's the bowl of the Supers today. That's right, man. Yeah. I, I didn't watch yeah. any of it. Was it any good? It was a real good game, yep. Yeah. Yeah, it was a it was a great game, and the Patriots lost, and uh, that's I, that pleases me. Who are you rooting for? Um, I was rooting for the Eagles. I I root against the Patriots, and let me tell you why, Ben. Tell me about um, it. I'm an underdog fan, and that that that's one thing. But mm-hmm. here's my problem with the Patriots. This is the problem I think that all the people who scream about the Patriots forget is that the Patriots are a red, white, and blue team named the Patriots. Yes. Anybody, anywhere, pandering to me like that fucking sucks. (laughs) I know. 
Fuck you. The, the second, what is that movie with Chris Hemsworth that's out now? It starts with 12 or something. Oh, right. And like yeah, the, yeah. the preview of it is people looking at the footage of 9 11 and just looking angry. Right. Fuck you. <laughs> fuck your movie. Get the fuck out of here. Make a movie about some intrigue around 9 11. Make a movie that develops characters and br- draws me in by the strength of its writing. Fuck y'all. Yeah, a 9-11 movie and at the end I might fucking salute a flag if the movie convinces me that patriotism is the way but god damn it if you're seriously gonna come at me waving a fucking flag and a goddamn eagle screeching across the screen and talking about USA USA eat shit man like I don't want to see your fucking movie and I don't want to root for your fucking football team and when you especially when you have goddamn Joe America is your fucking quarterback and you have four white wide receivers you know how hard you have to look for four white wide receivers in the national football league (laughs) they willingly will choose somebody who's slower they don't care because they want boston people to be behind them they don't care about they don't want care about the liberals in boston because they're going to support them anyway they care about the conservatives who don't give a shit and want to see white people win and you USA and go America and fuck them and I'm glad they lost and I don't even care that they kind of technically lost uh, due to some bad calls I am a real American <laughs> okay alright no you got me you won me over <laughs> now you're back <laughs> Hulk Hogan USA USA go Patriots now the thing that I really care about is how hard did, did my boy JT slaughter that halftime show was it sick fucking shit Damn, I don't watch halftime watch shows I don't I don't watch halftime shows um, but this I'm so glad you said that because this is an actual Ben Ben I want you to understand this this is an actual quote during the Super Bowl by a man who used to play professional football and has been a professional football analyst for like 20 years this game has been as good as Justin Timberlake damn yeah, Chris Collinsworth said that in a Super Bowl that was decided by eight points, that was close the entire game. He said it's as good as Justin Timberlake. That's how good JT was. <laughs> no, that's how idiotic he is. <laughs> <laughs> JT rules though, man. I heard he did some kind of like a Prince tribute kind of thing too, right? Yeah, I do love Justin Timberlake. Actually, I'm a big fan. Fuck yeah. Um, and yeah, he did a Prince tribute. I I don't know. I didn't see it. I um I thought I thought I heard he was it was like a Prince hologram or something. Okay. And uh and I read somebody somebody posted on Reddit comments that uh Prince made in 1998 when he was asked if he would ever like want to perform with a hologram or something. And he was basically like, "No, that's fucking crazy. What are you talking about?" <laughs> so, so I guess they didn't follow Prince's wishes, but I don't know. It, was, it probably rocked. It was uh, probably great, and Janet Jackson's tit was probably in there somewhere. I hope, I hope they had like a hologram of like her boob falling out somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Did you uh, watch anything good this week, man? Uh, I well, I watched Super Bowl, which was good. I also have been watching The X-Files, and um, as, as I said, I've been watching the old episodes, but uh, a new episode came on 
not not this week but last week uh that was written by darren morgan who wrote like four episodes of the x-files and they are four of the best episodes of the x-files um darren morgan was a comedy writer and his brother glenn morgan uh who worked with james wong on final destination uh go back and check that episode out Mm -hmm. pretty good glenn morgan got his brother darren morgan uh into uh writing for the x-files and darren morgan basically uh he used his his comedic background and then uh also used his desire to pick things apart wrote episodes that picked apart the x-files and like his his first episode was um it was one about uh, a circus sideshow and basically uh yeah surrounded. i remember that episode yeah yeah that's a fucking amazing episode it basically like surrounds the ideas of like uh, how idiots will believe outlandish things mm-hmm. <laughs> and then like he he did an episode where um it's called jose's jose chung's from outer space which is fucking amazing uh and it 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 puts together different stories told by different people involved in the story to sort of tell the overarching story which is basically that uh a guy and a girl uh say that they were abducted and the military is claiming that the abduction was fake and it was it was them performing mind control experiments uh anyway but it's it, it picks apart the entire idea of a truth which is like the thing that Mulder is constantly looking for the truth mm-hmm. uh, it picks apart that idea and, and David Duchovny actually said that he loves Darren Morgan's episodes the most because it seems like he's trying to destroy the X-Files <laughs> like Rad. and so this newest episode was about the uh, uh, Man- uh, Mandela effect oh no shit yeah it's amazing like you if you know just a little bit about the x-files you can watch it and and just jump right in like it's it's not part of the overarching storyline it does have some you know you need to know who the characters are and it does have some references back to old episodes but it's like it so perfectly gets at like what the mandela effect is and why people are thinking about it and and what it has to do with you know alternative facts and fake news and and the way that people are beginning to think mm. it's it's a deep episode very funny too sounds awesome man yeah so in addition to those cool things that we've been checking out this week uh i also happened to watch a movie by the name of demon knight which is a part of the <gasps> tales from the crypt series have you have you heard uh-huh. of this or seen of this I have seen of it, and I have heard of it, and I have listened of it. Oh, wow, man. Uh, That is what we're going to be talking about on the majority of our episode today. That is the topic of review. Uh, This is the first time I've ever seen this movie. I literally knew nothing about this movie going into it, so it's kind of a treat to watch something that I was completely in the dark about. You know, This wasn't the first time you've seen it, though, was it? No, no, no. I I had seen it before uh, a couple of times. Actually, like... um, as we said at the end of last week's episode, this is Black History Month, mm-hmm. and so I wanted to do movies where uh, a black character survives. Yeah, so that's kind of the cliche in horror is that the black dude's always the first one to die and so on. Yeah. Now, what I further wanted to do with this was to uh, feature 
you know, black directors yeah. uh, or uh, good black performances are strong black characters in a movie. Um, and so I wanted to start with this, which uh, we will both go ahead and admit is not the best movie in the world. No. Not even exactly good. No. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's a movie that has two black female characters, neither one of which dies first. Yeah. They're both pretty badass. One of them, played by Jada Pinkett at the time, not Jada Pinkett Smith mm-hmm. yet, um, she is the protagonist of the movie, eventually, and the hero of the movie, and survives, and there's even the implication that there would be further adventures with her. Um, and this movie is directed by a black man, Ernest Dickerson. Yeah. Now, th- this is a huge rarity in horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, people may be thinking of Get Out. Well, Get Out is not only a huge deal because it deals with the horror of racism, uh, but also because it's directed and written by Jordan Peele, a black man. Yeah. That's a huge deal because that's not a, a thing in horror movies. Sure. there's not that ma- There are not that many horror movies directed by or written by a black man. There are very few in which there's a strong black character and even fewer in which it's a strong black female protagonist that survives the movie. Definitely. So this movie has some special elements to it. Yeah, for sure. You can't you can't ignore that stuff, even though the fact that it's not the best, I mean, that definitely does put yeah. it on the map of horror for several very important reasons. Yeah. Um, now, Ernest Dickerson... <laughs> um, he his his career as a uh, cinematographer, as Spike Lee cinematographer, on Do the Right Thing and Malcolm X and like so many of Spike Lee's movies. I didn't know that, really. Yeah, he also uh, directed Juice, which is a good movie starring Tupac. Well, he's not starring, but he's he's one of the side characters. Mm-hmm. He basically, with Juice, got into the um the vision of the the big production companies and and so he kind of he kind of got demon knight based off of you know his work on juice and then surviving the game and then demon knight didn't do great but he also directed uh damon wayans and adam sandler in a movie i don't remember what it's called but it was not very good and then like <laughs> his his film directing career kind of went on this slide that you can um, kind of chart by the acting ability of the rapper in the movie. Okay. So here, here's my here's here's the chart. It's Tupac in Juice. Now, Tupac was a good actor. Yeah. Tupac did a good job in every role he had. Uh, then next, surviving the game with Ice T. Now Ice T is a good-ish actor. Yeah, sure. Um, he does a great job on it. Uh, Law and Order SVU. Sure. Um, he, he's not been in a, a ton other than that, but I mean, he did play a kangaroo and tank girl. So that's very whatever. true. He did. Yeah. So that is surviving the game. <laughs> then he directed a, a horror movie called Bones starring Snoop Dogg. Okay. Right on. <laughs> no, Snoop Dogg is not known for his acting ability. <laughs> no, not really. And then he directed a movie called Never Die Alone starring our boy, DMX. No way. Did he really? Yeah. Yep. He did. Did he fucking corpse in it? 
I think he might have. Now, <laughs> I've never seen Never Die Alone, and I've never seen DMX act, but I assume it's not good. I'm gonna guess. I'm assuming. I'm assuming it's not great. I mean, listen, I'm not talking shit about DMX's rapping ability. He's certainly good at rapping. Oh, but X is gonna give it to him. I get the feeling that he might be hard to direct. Probably, probably yeah. so, man. Probably so. You know, it's funny, Steve, that you're mentioning all these, all these '90s hip hop. Uh, yeah. performers and stuff because actually the other day that uh that what day was that Saturday that I said we went to Indian buffet and drove around and got uh-huh. you know fun ingredients and stuff like that that morning uh-huh. Kate and I were talking and I was telling her how I had I had this crazy crazy fucked up dream man that I it was it was nuts man and she was like wow that sucks she's like I don't know what I dreamed about but I woke up with like gin and juice stuck in my head uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, okay. that's tight. And so I put it on Spotify, and that led to, like, all day while we were out driving around and stuff, like, all that we listened to is this awesome Spotify, like, 90s hip-hop playlist. And it oh, was... Oh, hell yeah. Dude, it was the fucking best. And the thing is, is, like, back, like, in the mid-late 90s and stuff, I didn't really listen to any of that stuff. Like, I was all about, you know... Oh, that's, that's mainly what I listened yeah, to. Yeah, that's what I thought, man. But I was <laughs> yeah. all about, you know... Weezer and Green Day and, and Oh yeah, I also liked them. Oh yeah, and then of course I got into playing guitar and then it was just all about guitar and That'll stuff. That'll do it, yeah. yeah that I got it. into smoking weed and playing video games, so <laughs> I heard a lot of music. Right. <laughs> My brother used to listen to a lot of that stuff cuz he was all about, you know, making his presence known with his like subwoofers and shit like this in his car. So we, <laughs> we used to listen to a lot of that, so I think at the did time, did he drive a Honda CRX or whatever? Dude, he didn't have a CRX. He never did. Like it seems, oh, we had a lot of friends that did though. God, I bet he regrets that so much. Oh, dude, I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's like I listened to that stuff back then in that context, so I didn't really enjoy it because it was, I don't know, I just couldn't get into it back then. But man, we were driving around the other day listening to all this stuff, and I was shocked at like how much of the of the hooks and artists and stuff i knew right away and even like how much lyrics and shit i remembered yeah it was just so fun man i think that i might be like a like a late in life 90s hip-hop convert man so (laughs) i'm kind of looking for some guidance on maybe where i should go i know that you're kind of an expert on the source man you got something you could maybe maybe point me towards i can i wouldn't say i'm an expert i uh certainly have some experience now he you uh this is not off the fly guys i actually already prepared this uh 10 minutes before we started recording (laughs) so (laughs) here's the thing i would say if you're you're talking about 90s hip-hop uh what it seems like you're talking about to me is uh post dr dre changing the game hip-hop so is that where the change really started I, you know, like, no, I mean, he didn't start it, but he cemented it, I think. Like, sure. Um, you do have, like, Public Enemy and, and NWA and um, uh, Ghetto Boys. I, I have to mention Ghetto Boys because people think of Southern rap and they think, oh, Outkast started that. No, mm-hmm. no, no, no. Southern rap's been around a long time. Check out the Ghetto Boys. Um, check out uh, We Can't Be Stopped, the cover of we can't be stopped is the ghetto boys in the hospital after one of their members bushwick bill who uh has a form of dwarfism so is three foot eight uh what? bushwick 
after Bushwick Bill accidentally shot himself in the eye, threatening his girlfriend with a gun. Now, what? I won't I won't tell you that the Ghetto Boys is something you're going to listen to and feel uh, good about the misogyny or anything, <laughs> but the Ghetto Boys are like they're like the metal of rap okay like i'm not saying i'm not saying by their beats or anything i'm talking about like how dark they go they're like black metal how, style where it's like they live this yeah shit. yeah uh, actually bushwick bill's uh album phantom of the rapper is what i'm a big phantom fan of of the rapper yeah that was, a good awesome. one. that was like 95 that was a good one um <laughs> Anyway, but I, I'm just going to start with The Chronic by Dr. Dre. Okay. Now, right. um, you're talking about Gin and Juice, uh, and I would definitely say Doggy Style by Snoop Dogg, but The Chronic by Dr. Dre came the year before. Snoop's all over it. Um, Warren G is on it, mm -hmm. Nate Dogg. There's so many awesome rappers, but the thing that's, that's really great about Dr. Dre's The Chronic is the way he took these old funk and soul records yeah. and just made these laid back awesome beats that <laughs> just make you feel like, I mean, the name of the album is The Chronic. They make you feel high. Like they make you feel like you're just stoned. Pretty laid back. Just enjoy, yeah, laid back. Man, I've actually never listened to that record from start to finish. Of course, I've you heard should. You from should. it, but yeah, I've never listened to the whole thing. Yeah, and again, I'm, I'm going to point out that like I'm saying all these things uh, about these albums being awesome, but I, I do realize that 90s rap, and even current rap, obviously still is full of misogyny. Um, I'm sorry. It still sounds awesome. It sucks. I wish there were more woke rappers, and there are more now than there were in the past, yeah. but if we're talking 90s rap, you can't avoid it. Yeah, but the... the the new stuff, the music's not as cool, so there's that. I don't know. There's, I mean, there's Kendrick Lamar, yeah, there's okay, Odd yeah, Future sure, guys, sure. Uh, and then uh, Childish Gambino, fucking awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, anyway, Wu-Tang Clan, though. Wu-Tang Clan, uh, Enter 36 Chambers. Okay. Mm -hmm. That's like a legendary record. I've always heard people yeah. talk about it and reference it and shit. And I, again, I've listened to songs, never listened to the whole thing. I used to listen to uh, The Chronic and Doggy Style and 36 Chambers, like, just on repeat, because those all three came out around the same time. Those albums are fucking amazing. Yeah. 36 Chambers, though, like, it, the thing is, you'll listen to 36 Chambers, and it's got this punk rock vibe to it. Mm -hmm. That's what I remember really getting into about it, was that it was like so different than the slickness of dr dre and like so different than everything else that was out around that time um and it's it, it's rizza who uh, is now a director um yeah and directed the man with the iron fists and stuff like that but rizza is he's just such an amazing producer and he basically just took all these really talented guys and uh mashed up some beats with some uh old uh old uh karate films <laughs> like Bad there's ass. so many it's so cool and like you have to you have to hear that but once you hear that you also have to hear jizz's liquid swords that is one of my favorite albums of mm. all time he's jizz is part of the wu-tang clan okay um in fact I'm, I'm just gonna go ahead and name some a couple of other wu-tang clan member albums because the genius 
of uh, Derisa was that he he was able to take these guys in the direction that their uh, natural like wrapping f- uh, abilities would take them. So with with Jizza, you get some real complex beats and like complex uh, stacks of syllables and mm-hmm. rhymes. Like he's he's so good. But then you get like <laughs> old dirty bastard returned to the thirty six chambers. Yeah, and it's fucking amazing, and he's like you can tell he's lost sometimes when he's rapping. Like, yeah, totally. He he's just like he gets lost in his brain, and it's just sounds coming out, and it's so amazing. Like, <laughs> I love it. He's so good. And then also Raekwon only built for Cuban Links, which some people would say is the best album of all time. Which one? Um, uh, Raekwon only built for cuban links some people would say that's the best rap album no of all kidding. time yeah i i think it would be between that maybe and nas illmatic which is well worth checking out hmm. it's from 1994 nas illmatic is so fucking good like such a great album and then maybe uh uh be uh notorious big's ready to die mm-hmm. yeah God, fucking awesome. Yeah, it's got some killer shit on there, man. Yeah, that's and that's something too. You're talking about the complexity of some of the stuff that some of those cats do in their in their yeah. rhyme schemes and the, the rhythms and stuff like that. Like, uh-huh. that's something that I always really enjoyed about. Like, my brother used to listen to a lot of like Busta Rhymes and stuff. Yaw, 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 yaw. A lot of his rhythms and stuff are just so so weird, and it's one of those things uh-huh. that like yeah, I find even carries into my guitar playing and stuff in a lot of ways because to me one of the most boring things in the world is a guitar solo that's just nothing but straight you know just straight rhythm like yeah. that is really what boring. am i trying to follow here <laughs> yeah exactly is, is what you're trying to tell me manic energy yeah okay so like a big run-on sentence kind of thing you know uh, but I love the way that some of those rappers like like Busta and some of those other guys will put stuff together rhythmically in really interesting ways. And I try to, I think I think some of that stuff rubbed off on me in a way. And I try to apply yeah. those same ideas into soloing and stuff too. Where it's like I don't want to just play a straight stream of notes. I want to do little blasts of different time. And that's something I've heard like um, like Bone Thugs and stuff do a lot of times too. Yes, these, these interesting yeah. rhythmic patterns. That's a good album, uh, 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 1999 sure, Eternal. Sure. That's that's a good album for sure. When you when you're talking about those complex rhythms and stuff, though, like <laughs> I'm just thinking about Kendrick Lamar and DNA. That they, like I don't know if you've heard that song, but like I don't think I have. You gotta check it out. It's two minutes and 38 seconds, I think, and at about a minute 50, it it. I don't know what ha- like I I I'm assuming that what happened is that Kendrick just kept going and didn't listen to the beat cuz the beat gets so like anti-melodic and yeah. rhythmic and just out of there like just insane Sick. and he his voice becomes like an instrument in the beat like it's it's just amazing um wow but yeah like uh, also there a uh, ton of there are a ton of real complex rappers now. It's just like there, you know, a lot, a lot of there are a lot of SoundCloud rappers that are just, uh, you know, uh, what are they? Xanax. They're on Xanax. Like <laughs> it's called Zancor, I think, or, or Zanhop or something like that. What a that. time like, to be alive. 
Yeah, like that's all. I don't know. Maybe it's not all bullshit. I don't really listen to it. Maybe there's some good stuff there, but most of it sounds like shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> also, real important album, if you haven't ever heard it, is Outcast AT Aliens. Okay, I've listened to some of that, and it has some badass shit on it. It's so fucking good. Like, it is. Oh my God. Like, the moment that I got it, I think I, I just played that tape in my car. Like over and over and over and over. Like, I it eventually wore out. It was so good. Does that have bombs over Baghdad on it? No, no, that's uh, Stank on you. That's, okay, uh, two thousand. Okay, um, gotcha. Uh, and then I guess this is <laughs> nineteen ninety eight was a a year for rap. I haven't mentioned Jay Z yet, so like I would say Jay Z Volume Two. Mm-hmm. That's like it's not his best album, like. It's not even the best album he put out in the 90s, but it's a really good album to just listen to start to finish. Mm. Like, I, I I think, I don't know, I like the way I feel when I listen to it start to finish is what I'm saying. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> then uh, you could also check out DMX, It's Dark and Hell is Hot. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh. <laughs> what all tracks are on that one? Oh God, I can't remember. It has the Rough Riders anthem, and okay, it has the yeah. "Got Blood on My Dick" because if I, okay, it's his, yeah. it's his debut album, I think. Bring your crew. Uh huh. And then also Juvenile, four hundred degrees. It sounds like I seriously, Juvenile, yeah. Juvenile, like it's like, gosh, this. Uh, it's hard to like because there's not a complexity to Juvenile's rap. Mm-mm. He's not, but it's his presentation of like the, you know what he's interested in the drug game and stuff Mm -hmm. and mixed with manny fresh the producer's beats like the beats are amazing and they seem like really clean and sort of uh pristine at at moments but like then the the rap is dirty like it's 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 and i'm not meaning like dirty as in like having a lot of cuss words i mean dirty like sounds grimy yeah his voice is real grimy and low and like yeah I, i really like it and I would say there are two things, though, that you have to remember always if you're talking about 90s rap is DJ Shadows introducing, which is not a hip hop album necessarily, but it's I would say it classifies as what people would be. That, that was like future hip hop. I think what DJ Shadow was imagining is what is the future of hip hop. And in fact, in introducing, there is a there is a, a track called Why Hip Hop Sucks in 1996. Wow. Uh and anyway, it's really good. And then also uh, the miseducation of Lauren Hill, which came out in '99. Oh think. yeah, yeah, that's right, man. Yeah, I, I don't know if that's really hip hop. She sings most of it, but like she she raps on it a lot too, and she's really good. Right on, man. Wow, there's a whole lot of listening I need to do. Yeah, there is, man. I'll tell you that for sure. But you know, if you really want to listen to what Steven Spratling was into in '95, you listen to Filter. Hell yeah. Hey man, hey man, nice shot. Nice shot. I I saw yeah. that in a movie recently. Yeah, really? It was in Demon Night. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, that movie opens up with that song kind of, well, it doesn't really open up, but when the movie starts in earnest, it has it in there. And just quick sidetrack, like, I think that I'd forgotten that Dude from Filter played in Nine Inch Nails for several years. And then he left to start Filter. And then really, when you listen to that song, man, his like vocal delivery and stuff is so much like Trent Reznor, it's kind of ridiculous. 
Yeah, I I, I really was way into this song. Oh, yeah, like, it's awesome. I think it's an awesome opening. Um, like, I, I think at the time people thought that it was about Kurt Cobain's oh, of suicide. Course. Yeah, yeah. But it was actually about Bud Dwyer's suicide, which you can go online and watch that if you you'd can. like. I knew you'd know yeah. that. You weirdo. I knew you'd know that too, man. <laughs> yeah, he just pulls it's, that gun uh, out of that manila envelope and just fucking blood comes out of his nose and shit. It's really weird. Yeah, fuck him. Yeah, I mean, him. like, if you read the story, if you know what was happening, like, any time that um, uh, a career criminal, especially a career criminal who's a politician, yeah. gets away by killing themselves in court, uh, I, I, it's like, their last fuck you to humanity like no i'll never have to suffer for this fuck you yo did you hear about that dude from fucking glee yes holy shit like i didn't even know about this stuff but i was up late one night out there last week in la and i was just scanning through the news and shit and it was like Mm -hmm. oh you know i guess he played like puck or whatever on those early seasons of glee Mm -hmm. yeah i got caught with like a shit fucking ton of child porn on his computer yeah so fuck him yeah, and then he killed himself before he could get sentenced. This is like, man, fuck you, dude. Yeah, I I uh, also saw, I saw something on TV about it, and they were playing like sad music behind oh, it. Oh fuck that! And I was shit. like, they me? should be playing like a victory march yeah. or something. Like, yay, good. Fuck that dude. <laughs> what a piece of shit, man. Yeah. Well, Steve, you said you'd seen this movie uh, before, right? Yeah, um, I I saw it like right as it came on video. This was okay. a movie that um, was advertised a lot in comic books. Yes, and that's where I remember seeing it. Like I remember mm-hmm. back in those days, uh, as I mentioned on previous podcasts, I was not allowed to watch scary movies and stuff when I was a kid. But I do remember seeing ads in my comics and like Wizard magazines and shit for like, yeah. this and like Bordello of Blood and all this other stuff. Yeah. Um. And I also was a huge uh, Tales from the Crypt fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my grandparents had HBO, so whenever I would stay over with them on like a you know a weekend, I would watch Tales from the Crypt, the Crypt late at night, mm-hmm. um, and it's just awesome to me. Um, I like this movie is not Tales from the Crypt. <laughs> it's not at all, and it should it shouldn't be. Tales from the Crypt Demon Knight. Like, they should cut off the Tales from the Crypt beginning and ending, ending, and you have a better movie instantly. It's not a good movie still, but it's a better movie. Well, apparently the deal is is that this movie was originally written as a spec script. and Yeah, 1987, in fact. Wow, I didn't realize it was that early. But the Yeah, which is before the Tales from the Crypt show. So it Whoa. wasn't like this is, yeah. Wow, I didn't know that either, man, but... Apparently, the Tales from the Crypt team were thinking about trying to put together a a trilogy of movies. Yeah. And apparently, one of the options that they went after was they were going to try to get From Dust Till Dawn in here. Oh, really? Yeah, that's part of the trilogy. But apparently, Quentin Tarantino wanted too much money for his script, so they wouldn't do it. So they optioned out Demon Knight instead, which Mm -hmm. um, we did dust till dawn a couple months ago on our show. So you guys can go back and listen to that if you want to hear our opinions about that. I I love that movie. Yeah, and th- this was part of a planned trilogy yeah. that didn't pan out, mm-hmm. but uh, there did end up being a trilogy of Tales from the Crypt movies, and one of them was Bordello of Blood, which was them stealing from Dust Till Dawn. Well, and the thing about this movie is, too, is I felt like in so many ways it was also, I mean, it was literally, you know, low rent from Dust Till Dawn. It's a 
movie where a bunch of people get trapped in a centralized location, a bunch of kind of anti-hero shady types, mm-hmm. and they have to fight against an impending horde of monsters. It's like, am I explaining Dust Till Dawn or Demon Knight? Oh, you know? yeah. Yeah. Now, I should mention, Ernest Dickerson, by the way, has had a very successful career in television. Um, I I didn't want it to, because I, I was talking up him as this great black director. What I'm saying is, uh, despite the fact that uh, he didn't get the best movies for a while and sort of moved out of film, uh, he is now a very successful director who directs uh, on stuff like uh, The Walking Dead. He directed hmm. on The Wire. Treme, Dexter, ER, Weeds, um, wow. and tons of other stuff. But he uh, also was a cinematographer on Tales from the Dark Side. Go back and check out our Tales from the Dark Side movie yeah, episode. Yeah. Um, but he was, and I think that's maybe what they were interested in, maybe from the Tales from the Crypt standpoint, is that he had worked on anthology TV before. And so, like, what you're saying about this, like, um, you know, being, uh, uh, you know, a planned trilogy and, and, and how it basically is a low rent, uh, from dusk till dawn. Like there were so many script problems with this coming in that I don't think that any director could have done too good with it like I, yeah. I don't i think it was a losing proposition from the beginning yeah it seemed like there's all kinds of different struggles with even the the design of the demons themselves there were all yeah. kinds of different creature designs and budget issues with all that stuff yeah like i i just i feel like it feels rushed like it seems like the production seems rushed because there are definitely takes in here that it's like they, they probably should have got a second take totally. but like it probably just weren't given the time to to do this because it, it kind of uh <laughs> it was in development hell there for a while from 1987 to 1995 you know like uh for a while there it was uh passed along from different directors in fact like uh it it was originally supposed to be directed by tom holland who directed two movies we've already done yeah. child's play and fright night wow um but he he went and directed something else. Um, and then it was uh, it went to Pumpkinhead screenwriter Mark Carducci, who um, you know, we've done Pumpkinhead. If you look at the design of some of those demons, Pumpkinhead. Oh, totally. Especially when they're just emerging out of the ground and stuff. It's blatant. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then it went to Pet Pet Cemetery director Mary Lambert who uh made made some adjustments and wa- actually wanted the um uh Billy Zane part um to be a black character I think okay um anyway like so like you can see there was developments through these different directors so this was by the time Ernest Dickerson got it just a mishmash of ideas like all over the place and that's what and it then, feels like really it really yeah. it really does feel like that like the first night that I started watching this. I think it was maybe a Tuesday night or something like that. I sat down and started watching this movie. It's streaming right now uh, as we uh-huh. premiere this on Stars. Yeah. I started watching it, and I got probably about a third of the way through, and I started kind of like kind of falling in and out of sleep a little bit, and then eventually just did fall asleep. But I uh-huh. remember, you know, at some point getting to the part about like the fucking the, the seven stars and all this shit. Yeah. And like completely not understanding 
what the fuck was going on and I chalked it up to I must have fallen asleep and missed something and then I watched it <laughs> like last night you know totally did not yeah totally wide awake and stuff and I was like nope I didn't forget anything uh, apparently that's just a really convoluted pretty unnecessarily piece of this plot it does feel like such a huge mm-hmm. mishmash of of different ideas going on like all that shit with the yeah. fucking seven, seven stars on his palms and how they're like always rearranging themselves and shit completely completely unnecessary like honestly you could have you could have streamlined a lot of the ideas in this flick because there's cool ideas in this flick man i mean the idea that this guy has this bottle of like jesus's blood that like fights demons that's pretty fucking cool and the fact that you can add to it with your own blood if you're the chosen you know kind of demon knight at the time and stuff that's yeah that's cool and you keep it going by adding your own blood to it and then handing it to the next person that's that's really 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 cool but fuck all the shit with the seven stars man it's like you had me at whatever the blood of jesus fucking kills demons that's cool now okay I w- all right so here is this is what i think is going on yeah. is that there is a good backstory created for this basically the story is that uh in the beginning there was there was darkness mm-hmm. and in that darkness there were demons and those demons held seven keys mm-hmm. and those keys were the keys to uh destroy the universe right. essentially god created light and he separated the demons and the keys and spread them throughout the earth mm-hmm. the demons found six of the keys the seventh key was held by a thief near a uh, and this is how he puts it a carpenter being crucified yeah he doesn't call him jesus Jesus. true so uh, they eliminate immediately christianity like what they're saying here is that there's a different story here a guy was uh, uh going to hand over the last key to a demon god struck the the key with lightning and then uh it was filled with the blood of this carpenter and then entrusted to this thief Mm -hmm. who then had to protect it to keep it keep existence existing (laughs) to maintain reality um that's not that's not told very well in the movie no i i gathered that from seeing this several times and from really trying like watching it this most recent time taking notes rewinding and trying to understand what he's he's getting at well and the thing is too is if you're going to introduce this concept about oh there's seven keys well you're just showing us one of them are you ever going to show us the other six are there going to be movies about the other six well that's that was the planned trilogy i mean really they did yeah well see that's the thing though is that the the focus so rarely gets on to that story that we don't get enough time to get interested in it yeah like it, it, it and it seems so like convoluted and stuff like it, it it seems like they were trying to create this almost Indiana Jones like trilogy where right. there are these yeah, artifacts keys and, and artifacts etc and there's a fight against good and evil like all of that but then when you add the tales from the crypt element they have to go in and add a bunch of jokes exactly because tales and here okay so here I have to talk about this yeah. all right tales from the crypt is a great show 
I love it. It is amazing. You watch it, and what you get is it opens with that same opening, that awesome fucking music. Danny Elfman. Uh, Danny Elfman. It goes through the 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 graveyard into the house, down into the basement. We get the crypt keeper. He looks a little bit hokey, and then the crypt keeper is lame like that's what he's supposed to be yeah. he's supposed to be he says these stupid jokes like boys and ghouls and and things like that and they're all like these real obvious puns is basically these dad jokes but what the opening does is it sets your mind in that ironic pun standpoint so that when you get into the episode, every episode of Tales from the Crypt has a sort of ironic twist to it. Yeah. When you come to that ironic twist, it's so much more profound because all the irony that led into the episode was so lame. You just are so open to something a little bit better, like just a little bit better. And that's how the openings like make the episodes work. In this, the opening has nothing to do with the fucking movie. Like no. it doesn't, it doesn't set up a good punny atmosphere so that it's a little bit dark comedy, a little bit horror. Instead, what it does is it undercuts that actual story that we were just talking about. That could be an interesting trilogy, perhaps, and uh throws in a bunch of cheap jokes that aren't really funny no. like like there's no reason for most of the jokes i mean some of the things are funny like uh uh lloyd from wings aka the sandman uh with uh, the nipple clamps electrocuting his nipples sure. that's pretty funny yeah yeah um you know there are some other jokes oh get that uh, pussy Billy's off that, that table get that pussy off the table that's funny <laughs> yeah um cch pounder is great in this by the way she's in a she's western awesome. i like I, the the people who are bringing it in this movie are in a western like billy zane is in a western cch pounder is a she is the um you know madam at a whorehouse in a western these are the people who are bringing it everybody else doesn't seem to know what this movie is it, yeah i i totally totally agree that is a great way to kind of sum it up because obviously uh, Billy Zane steals the show. He totally yeah, he's totally fucking steals awesome. The show because he thinks that he's in like a live action version of Aladdin or something. Yeah, he's going at it because he's like uh, you know uh, chewing the scenery. Know, yeah, he's he's chewing the scenery because he's like uh, I'm a demon. Like you know I'm I'm over the top. I'm ridiculous. And it seems that Billy Zane has actually seen Tales from the Crypt. Yeah, I think everybody else on set was just like. So it's some sort of horror show or something? Like, yeah. and he was like, no, 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 but it's funny. Like, there's comedy to it. Like, yeah, exactly. He, he's coming it at it. Some. Yeah, he's coming at it like somebody who's, like, really going to enjoy this demon role. And everybody else, I mean, CCH Pounder is intense. She's good. William Sadler, who plays uh, the main guy who has the key at first, he's good. Um, but he, his character is disjointed from most of the story. And then um, Jada Pinkett has the worst lines. She and has she has terrible like, lines. Yeah, it just doesn't come together to make her heroic at the end. Mm -mm. So no matter how good she does, like she, she comes off as tough. She comes off as, you know, like a, a, a good person at heart. But like you don't get to know her very well as a character. No, 
and, and that's the interesting thing too where you know like I said, I cannot help but compare this from to Lust of Dawn. I, I cannot help yeah. but compare it. it it's similar yeah, it's, in it's a lot similar. of ways. Um, and even with Dust Till Dawn, that movie doesn't have a lot of, uh, you know, clean cut hero type kind of characters. There's oh, a lot no, of super no. flawed, super hard ass individuals and stuff in that that make up your cast. But at the end of the day, you still care about them. And like when they, when some of those characters die, you're still like, oh shit, no. Or you're like, <laughs> oh damn, he had to kill his dad. Like you still yeah. care at the end of the day, even though they weren't these caped crusader you know typical hero types and this movie yeah. i don't really feel like achieves that like it just kind of gives no. us a bunch of scummy characters and i don't really care about any of them at the end of the day holy shit i just realized they may because like you're right they obviously heard uh, uh rob rodriguez and tarantino's pitch for from dust till yeah. dawn and they did they do absolutely outright stole it for bordello of blood but they obviously also stole the uh, some of the premise for this yeah but like i just realized that they they talk about how it's important that there were seven people in the building mm-hmm. there are seven like hero heroic people on on the team in from dust till dawn oh, you shit. have the five so. from the rv and then you have uh, sex you know the and, uh, sex machine and uh, the, uh, the guy who says he's ugly. Can't remember his name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, <laughs> like huh. they even stole just the number of like. Do you think? I guarantee this is what happened. There was an executive who was sitting in on the pitch for From Dust Till Dawn, and uh, he was writing down notes, and they passed on it. And then he went to some writers. And he was like, here, take these notes. Turn it into something. Yeah, or be on the lookout for a script that features these elements. Yeah, he had written down the number seven and circled it. Yeah. And they were like, I guess that's important. <laughs> and even that element, too, you're talking about kind of underdeveloped stuff. It's like the fact that there's seven of them there. It's just like, and why? What does that matter? Yeah, like, yeah why would that matter at all? You totally could have done without any of it. There, the, there are only seven of them there. Like, hold on. Like, isn't it after the sheriff dies now they're seven? Yeah, it's like, no, well, no, 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 technically. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> yeah, and then the boy shows up. So yeah, like, what the fuck? Yeah, the number shit makes no sense. No, um, could have been scrapped. So anyway, uh, yeah, I, I think, though, this would be a better movie without the Tales from the Crypt part. Like, they could have still been like, Tales from the Crypt presents Demon Knight, but just not put the Crypt Keeper in it. Like just don't. Does the outro kind of take you out of it too? Yes. It, oh, it's the worst because yeah. the ending is pretty okay. Like the ending is like, oh, good. Like okay, so this character is gonna continue. Like, but then it's like, oh well, now we have to cut to the crypt keeper to undercut the victorious ending. Totally. For this character, like yeah, it it's useless and stupid, and they they shouldn't have put it in. Kind of paying service to an idea out of obligation more than anything. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, we've talked about how Billy Zane is is awesome in this for sure. That opening sequences is good. Yeah, with the car chase and stuff. <sighs> yeah, that with is the cool. car chase. You're like, who is this guy? Like initially, when you see Billy Zane, he kind of looks like a like a you know rugged police officer kind of guy chasing after the bad yeah. guy. And there's a little bit of intrigue there. Yeah, he's dressed like Yule Brenner with a trench coat. Like yeah. he's dressed like Yule Brenner from The Magnificent Seven. Mm-hmm in a trench coat like he he's full-on uh cowboy and you're not sure if he's good or bad uh like because you know we don't know in the beginning 
who's the bad guy, but it becomes too obvious too quick. Like, they should have drawn that out some. Mm -hmm. Like, just because one guy's getting chased doesn't mean the other guy's the bad guy. Like, we could have had some ambiguity there, so when it does come down to that part where the police and Billy Zane are uh, approaching William Sadler in the, uh, what is that called? The Mission Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that that would be more tense and we wouldn't know exactly who is, is good and bad. Because when he takes Jada Pinkett and puts a knife through her throat, I don't, I don't believe he's bad. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I still don't think, oh, he could be the bad guy. Right. Like, there, there there's no development there to make it, uh, a bit more ambiguous and that would have made it a more interesting like opening to the movie yeah i agree man if they would have kind of drawn out that ambiguity and stuff a little bit more they could have played with that some and had that be yeah. a cool reveal where it's like oh actually this guy you know billy zane's the bad guy actually that could have been cool um, yeah definitely the strongest part of this movie we kind of talked about its weaknesses and stuff but i i gotta say man the strength of this movie is absolutely the visual effects and stuff. I think yeah. that anytime you've got a monster on screen, anytime you've got a kill scene happening, uh-huh. this movie is on point as fuck, man. A lot of the yeah. gore, the monsters themselves, the demons or whatever, man alive, they look so fucking rad. I think that I think that it's cool, and I, I think we could have used more of them, honestly. I, th- I think, though, it also is, is evidence of... Um, you know, so many hands being involved in this. Mm-hmm. I think the better looking things like the demons, et cetera, were probably done or at least uh, sketched out by somebody other than the team that worked on it because the team that worked on it is also responsible for the scene with his palm where it's so very obviously fake skin with some green goo underneath before he even cuts it. Oh. <laughs> and then also Uncle Willie's decapitated head, which looks terrible. That does looks look nothing, really bad. It looks, yeah. looks like a, a head they got from a Dollywood ride and just added moving eyes to it. Yeah. Like, oh, it's that does really, really fucking bad. bad. It's true. I'm, I'm remembering the good points. Yeah, but I mean, there are the good one, like the bo- when the boy mutates into the demon, that little boy, like oh, that's a dude. fucking awesome mutation. And his mouth he's like, is like huge and shit. Yeah, it's like ripped open, and his tongue is huge, and his teeth are all. Fu- he looks like he looks like a comic book, which is, I mean, you know, he's reading a comic book and then transitions into that demon. I'm assuming there was a cut scene there where, while reading the comic book, Billy Zane appeared to him or whatever. I would like guess that, so. That, yeah, that's just kind of yeah. out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, it does come absolutely out of nowhere. And that's kind of like a little bit of a Nightmare on Elm Street element where you get to see all these different scenes where Billy Zane's yeah. demon character kind of like tempts all the characters into their own particular uh-huh. temptation dream kind of thing, which is always in some kind of outlandish situation and shit. And some of those are yeah. pretty cool, man. There's that one scene where I think he's showing um, the main chick that works at the whorehouse. Like, he shows her... Oh, uh, what is her name? I can't remember. Yeah, but he shows her, like, getting, uh, or she shows... Cordelia. Cordelia, there you go. He shows her, the guy, like, getting killed by the demons and all of his Uh guts are getting ripped out and stuff. That looks fucking rad. Uh, that's he shows that to uh, Gerilyn. Oh, uh, there you go. That's right, that's right. He, uh, he seduces, uh... 
Cordelia. Yeah, that's right. By basically being like uh, Mr. Steal Your Girl. Like, he's just yeah. like, people <laughs> don't understand you like I do, you know? And like, she she, she goes for it. He's too um, sexy. Yeah, and then uh, we have Uncle Willie who goes into a bar full of topless women and uh, drinks um, boobs and bourbon. Some booze, yeah. Like, that. that's all he needs. Uh, but yeah, he 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 tries to tempt a number of them, and actually, I think the one with uh, Jada Pinkett's character, Geraldine, um, it has an homage to Nightmare on Elm Street, mm -hmm. where there's that um, like, uh, what is it? Uh, it's a, like a painting of her, I guess, on spandex, and there are people behind it, yeah, like pushing. And then it moves out of the way, and it's the demons, like, ripping apart. Totally. Um, totally. That is straight. That is straight out of Elm Street, dude. Yeah. Yeah, definitely so. yeah, so. like, it pays homage to some good horror movies for sure. Actually, the at the beginning, that chase scene where uh, uh, when, gosh, what is Williams? Baker. Is that his name? Baker? I Baker think. or Breaker or something like that? Breaker, that's it. Yeah, when Breaker like stops and and uh puts his his car across the two lanes to sort of block it and then start shooting, like that's obvious an obvious like real good homage to Jaws, mm -hmm. like the you know the the scene where he's trying to shoot the um what do you call it uh, oxygen tank inside oh, right, Jaws' right. mouth? Yeah, yeah. Like it keeps doing cuts back to him shooting, and then the result of the shot. Like it, it's this great sure. homage to to Jaws. Like it's obvious that um, Ernest Dickerson knew what he was doing in directing this, but that that's exactly why I'm saying like the script is the problem here, and it seems like the production was rushed. Like that's the impression they, that I get too, man. That's totally the impression I get. If they would sort of left it in the oven a little while longer, yeah. Like, just get, I mean, like, there's so many takes where it's obvious that the person didn't get the line out the way they would like to. No. But they just had to go with it. Like, it seems like they only got that one take and that was it. And that's the thing, too, is there's there's definitely some humor throughout this movie balanced oh, with yeah. all the action and gore and stuff. But it's just, it's, it, it, again, it goes back to what you said. I don't know if the actors really understood what the tone of the thing was. Because whenever you watch Dust Till Dawn, uh, or any other similar kind of horror action comedy kind of uh -huh. flick, there's this great element where it's like, yeah, the people know that they're going to be involved in these crazy life-or-death supernatural situations yeah. and stuff, but they can handle it with a little bit of, of humor to it and stuff. And in, yeah. in this movie, it's kind of like... I don't know, man. It's I, I kept finding my mind wandering while I was watching it. I remember yeah. we watched something else not too long ago where I was like, yeah, I just couldn't pay attention to it uh -huh. because it either wasn't keeping me amused enough, nor was it keeping me gripped enough. It's like there wasn't really enough of either one, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I would agree. That is, <laughs> this movie has uh, a lot of moments where it's just like, I don't care. No, Honestly, totally. like, and what what we do like you do have so many opportunities here like you have a great bottleneck thing where everybody's stuck in this building because if they go out they'll get killed by demons yeah i like those one location kind of movies too i love yeah. bottleneck kind of shit 
Yeah, and then you move it into a mine shaft, which further bottlenecks everything, makes everything closer. And then you only use that for like five minutes of the movie? Yeah. That should be the remainder of the movie. You move into the mine shafts and now everything is that much closer. Yeah. And that much more like that much more and pressure shit. and claustrophobic. Yeah, claustrophobic. So like like you you keep with that. You don't do that for a few minutes and then go back. Just cut that out. Just don't even do that. Exactly. And like, <laughs> why the fuck was that little kid in the mine and shit? I couldn't figure that out at all. Yeah, I have no idea. I, I did think that there must have been a subplot originally that Roach, played by Thomas Hayden Church, was actually that kid's dad because mm-hmm. that kid looked so much like him. Totally. And he looked nothing like the cook that was his dad. No. <laughs> that would be awesome. I, I, that would be cool. I don't know what it would serve. I am, I am If that was there, I can see why they cut it out. But, but this movie is only like an hour and a half long, but, man, it yeah. it. It seems like it's longer than that to me. It does. It drags. It drags. But, you know, the real good scenes are, uh, aside from what we've talked about, the real good stuff, I think, is the end, where it's just Jada Pinkett and Billy Zane. That's cool. And she's they covered do herself in the really, blood and stuff. Yeah. And they do really well together. She yes. plays really well with him. And, and she, up to that point, like, it's obvious she didn't know, because, like, the the character doesn't get sort of introduced as the protagonist until there's only like 20 minutes left in the movie mm-hmm. so up to that point she has nothing to do and, and i wrote it down because it was at about an hour and a minute that she finally has hero business like she has something to do to be good and to try to help right um and that is when she uh she has to overcome her fear like, we see her first try to uh, help with Uncle Willie, and she hesitates. But then, like, she, you know, comes around and realizes, like, I need to step up. And then she becomes the protagonist. Like, that that actually should have happened at about f- 20 minutes into the movie. Yeah, Like, exactly. that should have been our, our threshold into Act 2. That should have been what, like, like him dying... Like, Billy Zane should have killed him, basically, when they first, you know, meet in the the Mission Hotel. Yeah. And then he should have passed the key to her, and then it should have been her trying to figure out from those flashbacks that he keeps having, trying to figure out what it is she's supposed to do. Totally agree. Because there's so many other, you know, horror flicks that do that, where we have who we think is going to be the final girl, whether it's Psycho or even the first Elm Street, you know? Uh-huh. And this would be really cool if there was essentially this, you know, badass action dude who we think is going to be the main hero protagonist yeah. guy. And then he and fucking he gets off. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. It's up to this girl to take she the She picks the up out. the mantle. That, like, that's exactly. It exa- could have been so like, easy. Exactly. So easy. Yep. She picks up the mantle. Like, he wouldn't even have to have necessarily handed it to her. Like, he could have been filling it with his blood and then, like, passed out. And then, like, she could have picked it up, and then, like, the stars, like, burn into her hands, and she starts having the flashbacks yeah. of, like, all the, the backstory yes. of it. It's like, oh, this is how this got here. Exactly right, man. That would have been so yep. much easier and could have drawn us into that character a lot more rather than just having her be the hero mm-hmm. for 20 minutes at the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, this movie's not good. <laughs> it's uh, no. It suffers uh, on so many levels from so many different maladies. 
and I want to like it, man. It's like I really want to like too. it. It's got this big cult yeah. following and stuff. Like I love. I keep watching it. I've watched it so many. I watched it when it came out. Like I, I, I've been watching it over the years. I keep going back to it because I'm like, there's something there. Yeah, surely, surely there must be, man. But I don't know, man. It's like. At the end of the day, I just don't really like it that much. It's like it's not really, no. <laughs> it's, it's not scary whatsoever. It's not, no. it's not gory enough to where I can no. laugh about it and have fun like a like an Evil Dead or something, you know. And it's also not funny enough like a Shaun of the Dead or even a Dust Till Dawn, where it's like I'll watch right. it and stick around for the laughs. That part where Billy Zane punches through the sheriff's face, like through his entire head. And then has to rip his head off because he can't get his hand out. And then finally gets his hand out and it, like throws it yeah. at the other. Like more that, that, that was good. That's like yeah, dead more of that. Style. More like sort of slapstick humor could have still worked with um, the other intense story going on. Because it, it, yeah, I. There's parts that are disappointing. Like very Evil Dead 2 ish uh, yeah. to me. Yeah, for sure. Um,. Yeah, so I, it's disappointing because I think this could have been a good movie. Uh, I, I mean, obviously, there shouldn't be a remake of Demon Knight, but like, um, if you were to take this script and get to work with it instead of, I, I'm assuming, have to sort of stick with the weird piecemeal script that you had, yeah. you, you could probably turn this into something pretty good. I, I agree, man. I think that it definitely did just kind of suffer by being picked up and dropped and picked up and dropped to where it probably ended up very far away from where it began and just sort of became this, mm -hmm. you know, Frankenstein mess of all these different parts, a goulash of a movie thrown together from all these a different goulash. elements. <laughs> That's right. If you're going to throw a one to 10 on this thing, where'd you put this? God damn it. Um, I give this a four and a half. Yeah. Um, and that half point is Billy Zane's performance. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not, it's not much over a four, but Billy Zane really, I love the way he comes at it and just like goes to town, man. Um, I also like CCH Pounder in this. Yeah. I, I love when, um, Billy Zane tries to, uh, um, you know seduce her to his side he offers to give her her arm back yeah because <laughs> her arm got ripped off by a demon and then uh she uh flips him off with her arm that's no longer there the thing that i think should have happened though is that the arm on the platter should have been flipping him off that would have been awesome like that would have been that would have been a good joke anyway um it, it, this is not a great movie it it suffers from so much and like um it, it's not even fun most of the time i agree yeah. i agree man yeah I, I i think i'm gonna side with you there to me i think this is about a four out of ten for me it's like it's one of those that i'm in no hurry to to watch again anytime soon no. for all the reasons that we talked about and stuff yeah i don't know the the special effects are fucking rad i think that if you are yeah. a, a fan or a student of practical effects this movie is completely worth watching just for that. The design of the demons is awesome, and it's also so uh -huh. wonderfully cheap, too, because they basically just found yeah. some really skinny actors and, uh -huh. you know, put them on kind of uh, kind of stilt shoes, you know, to make their... Uh -huh. the, uh, anatomy, make them look the spindly. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And it's just sort of an airbrushed bodysuit, and they have kind of a helmet piece on with glow-in-the-dark mm -hmm. eyes. And they're also very clever in that... 
you know, they never show those demons in full light. You never see them with yeah, complete light. Yeah, that is on helpful. Them. Yeah, it's great. And, yeah. and they're all like, you know, one of those things that I think helps so many creatures from Pumpkinhead to Alien mm-hmm. to Predator to all of our favorite movie monsters. Use is, the dark. Use the dark and use the damp. Like they're constantly yep. like wet and shiny. Yeah, so then it doesn't uh, it doesn't read as uh, plasticky. Exactly, it reads as wet. Exactly, yeah. and whenever you see them in a shadowy situation, and you just see the light glinting off of the outlines, it's one of those things where, you know, your your mind imagines what that silhouette is, and it's scarier than what it would be if you actually just saw it. Uh, yeah, I like those those elements very very much, and I wish that there was more of them, and I wish that there was more gore because the gore is is so well done but definitely if you're a fan of cheap practical effects it's worth watching this movie just for that but i wouldn't say there's a lot of rewatch value past yeah. that so i'm thinking like four out of ten for myself i think yeah yeah yeah, yeah it's a fair score um i yeah i i wanted to do this movie so we could cover a movie directed by a black director um, there aren't a ton of horror movies directed by black directors, so that's I, I I just thought it was definitely out of uh out of the realm of possibility. I guess it's possible we could have done this entire month uh, horror movies directed by black directors, but then we would be pretty low on any future movies directed by black directors. Yeah, yeah. We'd, we'd um, and in fact, uh, I will say this. Uh, at this point, if you are a black female horror director and you have a short or feature length film, we will cover it. Hell if you will yeah. email me and tell me what it is, because I couldn't find one mm. and I'm very interested in, in finding one. Um, hopefully somebody can at least direct me somewhere. I, I was really trying to find one for this month. So um that's cool too i would would like to do more of those fan-made shorts and stuff like that especially oh yeah you know this day and age in the youtube generation there's so many people taking um even licensed franchises and stuff and just making their own spin on them i saw a few that were based on freddy krueger and shit like that that were yeah pretty fucking cool and of course we had some really cool like batman ones and shit like that too so yeah, de- yeah, definitely to our fans and listeners uh, that participate on our Instagram and Facebook pages and stuff. Be sure to toss us some of those shorts. It'd, it'd be fun to even do an episode where we just do a whole bunch of our favorite shorts. Yeah, that are... I would absolutely love that. Yeah, that'd be really cool. So keep that in mind, y'all. It is also, um, uh, I just found this out. I didn't know this was a thing, but uh, I'm not dismissing it. I, I'm taking it seriously. It is Women in Horror Month. Uh, ninth, the ninth annual, I believe this is the ninth time it's been celebrated. Um, so, uh, you know, I, I hope that, uh, we can maybe talk about some horror movies directed by women in the future. We've done, uh, we did near dark on our lost pilot. Mm -hmm. We've done slumber party massacre one. Mm -hmm. I thought, you know, before I found out about women in horror month, I thought, there aren't that many horror movies directed by women. I don't, uh, I don't want to run out of them, so I've been holding them back. But I decided because it's Women in Horror Month, I, I went and I looked up a list of of good horror movies directed by women, and I now have fifty. So wow! In future episodes, we're definitely going to be covering more uh, movies directed by by women, horror movies directed by women. 
Um, cause I, honestly, it was just, uh, I'm stupid. I didn't realize there were so many great ones. Uh, Pet Cemeteries. Oh, yeah. Not mm-hmm. the greatest, but I watched it recently. But there are some awesome ones, like The Babadook and uh, American Mary and American Psycho. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, oh, directed yeah. by a woman. Like, there's so many great ones. So, uh, hopefully we'll do that more. I don't know if... I know this month we've already planned our, our movies. Uh, so, like... We know what we're doing this month. More of those, uh, in but the in the future, future for sure, man. Now, next week on the show, we will be covering one of my all-time favorite jams. We're gonna be talking about Nightmare on Elm Street Part Three, The Dream Warrior. So, you guys be sure to stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you guys be sure to go on iTunes, rate and review our podcast. It just takes a second. Keep it G-rated, or else they will not post it. But it really does help us out a ton. We put a lot of time into this podcast, so. If you guys could go and drop us a sweet review, that would be swellagant. Steve, where can they find us on them social medias? Well, you can always email us at deadandlovelypod at gmail.com. We can also be found on Twitter and Instagram at deadlovelypod. Uh, you can always find me at Steven Spratling on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, and we also have an awesome Facebook group. Awesome, man. You guys can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Ben Eller Guitar. So drop us a line. Let us know what you've been watching. Let us know what you would like to hear us cover on future episodes of the show. Well, in the meantime, we'll catch you guys next week. You guys have just been so goddamn fucking divine and delightful. And we have been slightly intoxicated and dead and lovely. Good night, y'all. Fuck this cowboy shit. (laughs) Bye.